We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Slowly recovering from what was a, uh, you know, it was a great night. Great night on all accounts. Andrew, you had a good time last night? I had a blast, John. How did how does my voice sound as far as was, how yeah. much of a blast I've had, you know? Um, our, our, our guest today, my co-host today, my my boss every day, Chris Percy Einan. Did you have a good time last night? What? All right. Well, yes. Um, these, these claims are getting ludicrous, John. These uh that's like what my dad says about our dog. Um, yes, I had a great time yesterday. It was I'm trying to think of like one word. I I, I know special is cheap, but like it was just really, really, really nice and special to have the KFS family there, all of us together. Um what was it? 42 total, right? It was it was pretty cool. And we got some special guest visitors, you know, Greg, Danny, the crew stopped by. So yeah. And the and then the, the actual, you know, the special guest visitor of Mr. John Starks. Yeah, but, shout out to John Starks. Uh all-time great Nick. Um, will be high in my top 75 rankings. Um, it was cool to see him. It was cool to see everybody else. And uh it was actually a very fun time, a fun game at points. Um, not so much fun at other points, which is going to be, uh, it's going to make today interesting because, uh, today is as we do, you know, every, every fifth of the season, um, once we get started, so we're at the 15 game mark right now. So we're almost a fifth, fifth of the way through uh, a mailbag. And I'm always, I'm always curious to see how the tenor of the mailbag changes based on, you know, recent events. Um, oh, yeah. it has changed. <laughs> Well, I'll bet. Um, As the question gatherer, it has it has changed. It's just so funny because, like, you know, the, they lose by four last night. Um, you know, Burks had a. I think Burks had a three in the last two minutes. You know, if that goes down, and um, I don't know, one of one of Suggs' threes uh, doesn't go down. You know, and we're talking about a win right now. Uh, right, minor, just minor correction: they lost by six last night. Six. Okay. We're in the building. So all six of those points hurt. So everyone, all 104 that the magic scored hurt. Um, But uh, yeah, whatever. One, three goes one way. Another three goes another way. And if we're sitting here talking about a win, um, you know, and it's like a literally a couple of plays, Uh, but you know, we don't look at things like that. We're, 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 I don't look at things like that, but we're, we're fans and wins are wins and losses are losses on that note. Um, do we have any questions today, Chris? No, the fan base just <laughs> fan base just uh, collectively screamed in my replies. There were no actual questions. Yeah, we've got some <laughs> questions, John, and uh, they are as you predicted or alluded to. And remember, John has not seen these questions, but he he correctly hinted that the tone of the aforementioned questions may have may have may have changed a little bit. So we'll see. We'll monitor it. And let me just say, 
I, I say like usually like I get I scroll and like glance sometimes. At the, I didn't I don't even I have no idea what I've, I haven't like my eyes have not seen them at all. No scrolling, no glancing, no nothing. So this should be fun. All right. Well, the first one, first one's a little bit of a, a mixed bag, if I may. And it comes from Zach Picorni, who wants to ask, what are the best, worst and most surprising parts about this season so far for the Knicks. So I'm, I'm giving you a chance to get some good, some bad out there <laughs> to, open, to open things up. Start with, start with some balance, some, some balance. I love balance. I'm a big believer of balance in the force. Um, the Man. best part about this next season, that's easy. It's Obi and, and quickly in whatever order you, you want to put them. Uh, I'll put, hmm, I'll put quickly one in Obi two. But flip a coin, really. Um, and I think it's I think it's notable and I think it's symbolic. And I think, it, you know, the, the fact that these are, you know, Leon Rose's first draft picks um, and not to say anything about anybody who was here before them. But the fact that he's like, all right, I'm, I believe in these two guys. We want to put our put our put our. Um, faith in these two and you know I don't time will tell if like Obi was the best pick at his spot even if quickly was the best pick at his spot well you know we'll see um but you know I, I think just looking at them looking at how they're playing and how they've progressed and how much they've worked and how much better they've gotten in certain areas it's impossible not to feel like not only great about them but good about the regime I think that that picked them so that's the good um the bad, I want, I'm going to try not to be too obvious here. Uh, God. The team, yeah, you know, something. something yeah, like safe. the team the, the, where a game over 500 and we just lost to the fucking magic. Like, no. Um, no, I mean, I, here's the thing. I, I, we, could, we should have expected an adjustment um, with everything. Like, for, 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 the, for the influx of new starters and, like, kind of the – how they have to maybe now change the way they're playing and, and this and that. Um, oh man. Cause now I'm every time I think of an answer, I'm like, no, I'm going to catch shit for this. I'm going to catch shit for this. I'll say one thing that's, that's a, a little annoying to me. Um, two weeks ago, I think it was Andrew. We recorded a pod with Jeremy and he was like, Something along, and they had, I think, just lost like a, a bad game, or maybe it was, I, I don't know, I lose track. At one point, Jeremy was like, if we had to zoom out and we're like, the Knicks are whatever they are, and RJ Barrett is blowing up and looking like taking the next step to stardom. And that was then, and now it's been close to three weeks, two and a half, three weeks, where RJ is not taking a step to stardom. And I'm not saying that I am using these last three weeks to write him off or to he could turn it around. I mean, famously, when did I call him the fifth best asset on the team after how many games last season? Literally around the same point in the season. Right around the same time. Yeah. And then he took that and he shoved it right all back in in my general direction. And I felt like an idiot. But if I'm if I'm being honest with you, the thing that has most gotten me down is like, I would love to be able to say, look at the Knicks young core and how they're just like, there's no doubt about any of this. And there's a little doubt about Barrett right now, because it's like, you know, it's, it's a step back. I, he'll take another step forward. He'll probably take many steps forward. But if I'm just giving my honest response to like, what has me down right now, it's Barrett. And then what was the other question? The third thing? I, I believe it good, was good, bad, and surprising. most surprising, most oh, surprising. Most surprising. Randall, um, how, oh, yeah. how off he's been. Uh, Cause like what we're seeing for like Fournier is an up and down player. Kemba coming off the injury. Like you go even, even Barrett, you know, again, third year player um, still young, you know, taking more, more um, off the dribble shots and whatnot. Like you could, I'm disappointed, but like I, even that I could say like Randall, I just like, I just, he came into this year with so much confidence and it, he was like, it, and he worked so hard. And so for him to just not be able to make a goddamn shot, a tough shot is just real. I just didn't see that coming. So um, yeah, I'm surprised by that. Fair on all ends. I think um, so you, for you to say the RJ comment is fair, then it must be really fair. 
Well, here's the thing with RJ. If, if I can briefly give like a my timeline, please. I thought this. I thought this year would be like, all right, figures out how to have a real role on a on a real good team, like not a yep. surprise, a real good yep. team. Yep. Um, you typically need like a warm up All Star year before you get voted in. You know, on this was year, su- like this was supposed to be Luca, yeah. and I said before this season that year four would be that warm up All Star year. And on the first and year five or first year of his second contract, he'll, that's when stardom approaches. Um, and I so the Jalen Brown that. track, basically, I stick just by that. I think he's the type of player that will really shine in his second contract. We're seeing him this year just start to sprinkle in the off the dribble work with Hanlon into his game. And it's not going incredibly right now. You know, he had like a couple things that he was good at and he stuck to them. And now, like with Randall, he has new things added into the mix. Uh, RJ being new types of shots, Randall being new starters, Kemba and Fournier in the lineup. And even though they were so good at what they were doing before, mixing in this extra, you know, half pound of cookie batter into our big thing is making it a lot harder for them to really, really stir it around. That's a good, um, you know, maybe, a good analogy. maybe we put too many chocolate chips in the cookie batter, but I, I think they're going to get there. You know, there's no such thing. I don't think there's such a thing. These are strong men. Let the big guy tell you, like, there's no such thing as too many chocolate chips. Also, shout out to Zach who asked this. I'm pretty sure we've got his last name wrong every single time he showed up in the super chat. So Bacorny is his last name, Chris. That's how I pronounce it. Okay. Zach Bacorny. Zach, just give me a phonetically spelled out name. DM if you could. Just look at my last name and then understand that maybe I'm not the authority on pronunciation. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to look at your last name. It gives me a headache. Can I? You don't have need one. to get a headache right now. Yeah. All right. Next question. Uh, next question. Chris, take it away. Roman Mac, I'm going to throw you a softball, and the reason I'm doing it is because it ultimately it needs to be heard. Roman wants to know who your starting five is right now. Oh boy. Um, who like what my starting five should be. I, I'm your pretty Tom sure. Thibodeau, yeah. I, the, you know, next game it. coming up, they, they hand you a card. You've got to write them in. Keep as is because they, there is one thing about the Knicks that is not working good. It's not working great. It's working better than literally any other team's version of that thing in the entire NBA out of 30 teams, they have the best of one thing. And that thing is the bench, how they play together, how they, how they function, you know, and to me, I I'm sorry. I'm going to, again, I'm admitting I'm a Thibodeau apologist. I'm not trying to hide it. Even so, I think it, it is logically sound and coherent to be able to say, just because you start, it doesn't really mean a lot. Like, yes, it means a lot because you you get how you start is how you start games. And like it sets the tone and the whole thing. But and I'm I'm not for a second saying they're starting games well and that it doesn't matter that they're not starting games well. It, it They're starting games like shit and it does matter. But in terms of like making changes. They can still switch it up at the end. And I'd rather to me. The inve- this is like making an investment. You're making an investment right now and the invest- investment is taking time to pay off. Like you're saying with RJ, I think if you stick with this starting lineup, the investment will pay off in the long run. And if it doesn't, I'm, I'm despite what I'm going against Tibbs now, despite what he said a few games ago, <laughs> um, I am willing to give it more, more time um, because I just, I don't want to break up that bench unit. And I don't think, you know, you, you could still kind of have your cake and eat it too with how you close games and you close games with whoever you want. So um, yeah, I'm sticking, I'm sticking with this. Is it, by the way, that doesn't mean like if he went to quickly, I wouldn't be like super fucking excited. And if he believed in it, I believe in it. Cause again, I'm a top typical apologist, but if it were me, you're asking me, I'm sticking with the, with the current five. I agree with you. I'll start with that. But now I have my own question, which is if you were to put IQ in, would it be for Kemba or Fournier? Because I'm sending Kemba to the pine if it's me. But I think we also knew that because it's me. So I I just. So you're, you're basically you're, you're bench. You're like Kemba's out of the rotation then for you. I mean, right now, if I, I if, it, Come on. if it wouldn't be so loud, like if we were Oklahoma City and could do this. No, give, give me, give me Rose Burks Grimes off the bench. Um, I think, I think that 
a lot of Fournier and Randall's problems are not caused, but are rather, rather unnecessarily exacerbated by Kemba's desire to hand the ball to them 25 feet away from the rim and then go fuck off in the corner for the rest of the play. I want to give Kemba more time to figure it out. Um, but if I had to make it, if I, if he forced me to make a change, I would put quickly in for, for Fournier. Uh, I get it. I get it. I just, I don't know if I love the Kemba quick, you know, Rose and quickly are the, the guys. Um, speaking of tips, Mr. Mr. Thibodeau, Jason Meredith, frequent mailbag asker wants to know if, uh, or rather I'll just, I'll read his whole question out. Tibbs has shown a willingness to go small at the end of games. Do you think this is a strategy that stays? And if so, how do you think it will affect team building going forward? That's a really good question. Um, yes, I think it stays because to me, Tibbs has shown that he's not going to go with something unless he really believes in it. And I don't think he's doing it because he's grasping at straws. I do think he's trying to find a spark in these games, but I don't think he goes with something that he thinks may provide a spark unless he really believes it is, is it is workable and sustainable. Um, So I do think we're going to see more of it. The team building question is a very interesting one. And uh, can we, have we ever gotten through a podcast without broaching the idea of trading Mitchell Robinson? Andrew, you're you're of an encyclopedic memory. Uh, has that ever happened? I'm pretty sure we're contractually obligated, obligated. with Blue Wire to trade Mitchell Robinson <laughs> once every mailbag <laughs> and maybe even every podcast. Um, I'm sorry, Mitch. Uh, who who by the way, again, is just he's gaming it right now, and he has some really nice moments, and then there's other moments where it's like that's not Mitchell Robinson. But then you look at him fall on the floor every game, and you're like. When is he going to be a fully ver- healthy version of Mitchell Robinson? Oh, wait, maybe when he stops fucking throwing his body around. But that's we love that. So it's like it's it's a it's a vicious cycle. Um, I've thought for a while now and we've talked about this offline, Chris. Uh, I know. Like if there's a trade involving Mitch out there in which they get. I don't even know if they need 100 cents on like how many cents on the dollar do they need? 80. I think 75 they care about wins at this point now, though. Like, I feel like they'd want a guy to play, well, you know? Th- so that's the other, I was talking about this with somebody last night. It, it, there needs to be a trade that makes them discernibly better. And there is no obvious, unless you're talking about the guy in Minnesota, which involves money and like who the fuck knows what. I don't want to say that that makes us discernibly better. So Look, depending man, on I, what, depending on what would go out, there is a 20 year old on that team that is more of a leader than he has been in seven years. I don't know. He's not a leader. Clearly, he's not a leader, but he's a really talented basketball player I who I'm interested to see what he looks like anywhere the fuck else. <laughs> anywhere other but than Minnesota, anywhere but Minnesota. But again, that's. I don't even, I'm not, I can't wrap my head around what that trade would look like, who would go out. I don't want to trade Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly right now. And I would nope. imagine the Timberwolves would uh, gently uh, and politely tell us to fuck all the way off if the trade did not include one or, or both of those guys. Obviously, I'm not bringing up Barrett. Try, try one or both of Randall or Barrett. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, no, it's, it's so again, that, uh, but again, so this is the type of exercise you go through in your mind. Well, it's like, where are we trading Mitch? Well, we're trading Mitch if we get you know, a, a stretch five back. Like, cause what, what else, what, what else is the deal? Are you packaging Mitch with fucking Kemba to get an upgraded starting point? Yeah. Like Sacramento is not knocking on the door with I was, Sean Holmes. You know? I was exactly. They have, it's like anywhere you look, you go through all 29 teams and you're like, where's the Mitch trade that makes the Knicks actually better and gets good value for him. So this is my long winded way of punting the team building question for right now. Cause I don't like, yeah, if there was the, if, if the deal was out there, I'd be like, great. I just don't, I don't see the deal. We're going to get to more Mitch um, in regards to on-court stuff. So I will refrain from adding on now, but I, I will just say that I think that even trading him now is just like, it's, it's like getting a new car and then driving it and then selling it. The second you get out the lot, it's just like, why? <laughs> I don't know. Like why, why would you trade him now? It just doesn't make much sense to me from a value standpoint. So if, yeah, if you believe because he's an unrestricted free agent. So 
the va- the valuation. I mean, are you you're either signing him to a contract or you're letting him walk for nothing? If you let him walk for nothing, there's not much value there. Of course, sign and trade is always a possibility, but sign and trades can are historically difficult to do in the NBA. Um, so, you know, you're telling you, me that after one season with an All Star berth, I can't take our best young guy and flip him for Kevin Durant. <laughs> Um, let's move on to the next question, please. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're gonna, and I did I did this intentionally. I wanted to get the trade talk kind of over with because I also think that with you know, there there be ready trade talk season. My God, that's what I'm saying. My like God, December fifteenth is when you know those those fun contract holds open up, and I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of trade talk then. So I tried oh, to kind of curb it for this time. So we'll have exactly one direct trade related question. Go for it. It's from Justin Ramos. He says, "I don't see an in season star trade on the horizon." Me neither. But do you think they'll make any in-season upgrades? If so, any personal targets of yours? He assumes, or rather assume for your thing, that RJ, OB, and IQ are all off the table, which is a good assumption. So, excuse me. So if OB, IQ, and and RJ are all off the table. Yeah. um, I have a name. That's been a weird. I'm going to turn to you then. Give me the name you got. The weird agenda of mine since last offseason has been trying to, speaking of Sacramento, wiggle Harrison Barnes free from that team. But so he's making too much. Actually, he makes a fine amount of money right now. I just think that that's going to be way too much because they declined offers of multiple first round picks for him last year. I was about to say, yeah, that was reported. Like, so you're trading no. Fournier and like two. Firsts for Barnes, and then you're obviously you're putting Barrett at the t- like, I, like. Well, don't. All right. Well, don't get me because if it was a Mavericks first, I, I, I we can't like, do. <laughs> but, but again, Barnes is a guy. Barnes is perfect for a team that needs it. You know, that has a a space at the four where you could play him a lot of four, and he's that's not the opposite of the Knicks. So, like, I, I like the yeah. player a lot. Um, I, I honestly don't have. Like Terrence Ross is a guy that I always feel like I I, talk, I will try to talk myself into. It's like, is Terrence Ross really upgrading this team markedly, like to the point where I'm giving something up for him? Um, I would honestly, I probably would have. And again, it's complicated because they 
Like, I don't know. I don't know where to like the. Okay. So the point guard position. So Kemba, Kemba's not great. Whatever. Maybe he gets better. Maybe he gets worse. Whatever. He's, he's not perfect right now. So it's like, okay, how do you give a slight upgrade on that position? Well, then you think about it's the whole coming home storyline. And it's like, okay, so the Knicks, after all of that bullshit, they're going to give it two months or three months and be like, all right, peace. Maybe, maybe they are that cutthroat. I, I don't know. Um, so like, there's that complicating factor, but I would have said like Brogdon, but he, he can't be traded for a year. Um, I don't know. You look at like the Pistons, but the Pistons don't even have any veterans. Like what are we trading for Jeremy Grant to be our starting three? What do you want to do? Uh, I don't even know what that trade would look okay. like. You, <laughs> you don't like Jeremy Grant? Um, Jeremy Grant is just another, another name that just doesn't move me. Because I think he doesn't move. I think needle. the proverbial I, needle is very. I think that's ill. I think that's the correct assessment. Um, it's just there's not, there's not like I okay. So this I'll give you a name. I'll give you a name. I'll give you. You want a name? I'll give you a name. Uh, my name is is Dejounte Murray. Um, How and, did I know? I would. I should have put my life savings the second you said I'll give you a name. Um, I just. You want to hear the trade I just saw for him on the timeline? Please. DeJounte, Doug McDermott. And this is real, by the way, for the listeners. I'm not making this up. DeJounte, Doug McDermott. And this is from, oh, and it's from a Knicks fan. DeJounte, Doug McDermott, and a first round pick in 2024 for Fournier, Knox, Barrett, two first round picks, and a second round pick. I'm, I'm not I'm not wrapping my head around that right now. Um, Andrew, do you care to? So... Yes, we weren't trading RJ for Dame. We weren't trading or, or Cat. Anybody, anybody hypothetically this offseason, but, but you'll the Murray. have him listed third now. I'm not even saying this at Chris, but you'll have him listed third in a deal for Dejounte Murray. Fournier, like first Barrett. Yeah, I just, oh, I just not. don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But again, like what? So San Antonio is going to do that trade because why? You know, who are we giving? Like, again, there's just I don't see I don't see the Knox and a protected first or or like Knox in the Charlotte first that we acquired in the draft day trade that everybody fucking can't still can't stand like um, or, or you know, someone even someone else, like not one of the young players. Like, where's the player you're or like Burks, right? Burks in that first. Who are you getting that's going to make you markedly better? I just don't see the guy out there. So uh, I'm sorry. I don't really have an answer for this question. I wish I did. Can I just add the part about the Knicks being cutthroat about throwing the Kemba campaign out the window after a couple of months? We did see them pretty much bench Austin Rivers after a couple of months of supposed clubhouse leadership. I know it's a different I, I level of it. But that's I, a different. Yeah. Um, good call, though. Good call. You know, by the way, sorry, not to, it's a good point. Um, you know who would be a name here if like Eric Gordon was five years younger and he was on this Rockets team? This guy's and mind he was on- is just a, a maze of basketball reference. Gordon? I, I don't know. Your mind. I can't. Why? Like, where does Gordon's good. name come from, dude? Like, he's Eric Gordon? Good. Eric Gordon was like he's uh, playing good ball this year. And funny or not, he's actually one of the first three and D like role guys I ever learned about ever because Anthony Davis was a very, you know, big pick. And that's one of the first teams I yeah. would watch to see what was going on. I just think it's hilarious that this is the name that you come up with. But again, you're not, funny. you're not, you're not trading for, for uh, an asset for Eric Gordon. Now, like you, maybe you maybe you would have five years ago if he was on that, you know, a crappy team. OK, let's let's move on. We, we'll, we'll have enough trade talk, I'm sure, on the next episode. Send them quickly in a first. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, he's, you're, he's you're kidding, obviously. Yes. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, saw Andrew's face. <laughs> Here we go, by the way. Um, and hold on. Let me get my alliteration going. It's time for some Mitch maladies. All right. So Oakster, do you think Mitch's lack of speed likely due to injuries and lack of offensive skill set, is hindering the offense? I love what he brings on defense, but it's no coincidence that we were better last year with Noel starting that extra step. Noel and Taj have makes a difference in my opinion. I thought this was an interesting one to, to lob up. It's a great question. And it's basically a long, a long way of asking what's, which is the next best center. And 
I don't have an answer for that question right now. Like we always go back to like the three, the theoretical version of Mitchell Robinson is the best Knicks center. Well, guess what? We're still waiting to see that guy. We saw him for a couple handful of games in the beginning of the season with, with his, but even then, you know, it's a fair point to bring up his offensive limitations, which like it is what it is. Like, I, I don't know that that dude is ever going to be, a guy you can really depend on to make a play on the short roll to, to, you know, to do anything other than what he does right now on offense, which is, which is catch lobs. And it's like, you know, he's a limited player. Um, He's just really good at the things he's really good at. And right now he's not even great at those things because he's not moving with, like I went and rewatched the fourth quarter last night and he had at least three moments where I like, Mitch, if he was, if he was on, if he was really like at the, at his peak physical level, he would have been able to get to whether it was a driver, like, like Franz, I, you know, Franz Wagner's a good player. Franz Wagner fucking dusted him. Like there's nothing, you know, um, after, after Evan Mobile, another good player did the same thing a few weeks ago. Like if you're getting like, and, and by the way, on that, on that dusting, they, Obi was on Franz. And they went for and they went and got the switch. If you some Nick, if you would have told a Nick fan last year that a team would rather have Mitchell Robinson on a guy than Obi Toppin, you would look like you're fucking crazy. And yet that's what they did. And that's how that's indicative of, of where Mitch is in, in game plans right now. Um, all right. I should probably actually answer the question. I think they are probably best overall with. <laughs> I just can't believe I'm going to fucking say this with Taj. They're best with Taj. No, but it's not. No, I just it's it's just so you. And I don't say I don't agree. I just personally, I'm gonna be of the opinion. I think for the next month at least that it's worth continuing to start Mitch and seeing like if he can get his legs under him. Slash, if that's the problem, because again, Uh, this theory. I'm not pulling any plugs. Is very good like this kid with that weight on this team with these coaches with this offense when what it can do um yeah you know there's a reason we got excited so i i think it's worth putting him out there only because and this is maybe too large of a statement like maybe i shouldn't even be thinking this deep into mitchell robinson minutes questions but like we don't have to win a ring this year or anything so like you know what Mitch, it's a great Mitch point. Really good would be really helpful towards that. We can lock him up and and uh, then have that cap jump in a couple of years. And it just his, you know, whatever we give, give him, 14, 12 just won't matter. Um, that's give him, I, so I don't know. give him as long a leash as, as humanly possible. And, you know, if you get to the trade deadline and, you know, you, you reassess that, like you don't, you don't have to make any decisions right now. So I'm, I'm on board with that. That's fine. Uh, okay. What's next? We go to another young player. Uh, and then, and I mean, I'll just, you'll see Vin wants to know, and he says he knows he may get hate from Chris for this, but at what point do we take a look at RJ? And he said a hard look, he's my favorite Nick, but I'm a little worried. The thing that gives me hope is that both Brown and Butler took the leap in year four. And he finishes off by saying, it's not really a question. Make me feel better. Macri. Jimmy Butler took the leap in year four. I think that's that he's, he's referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Jalen and Jimmy Butler was Jaylen. playing 48 minutes a game against the fucking Miami heat in the playoffs in his, at the end of his second year. So I don't know. I mean, maybe there's another leap that he, I mean, yes, he took the well, leap. Into last, like I mean, being Tibbs, a, Tibbs couldn't stop himself from playing RJ last year. You know, maybe it's. Yeah. But I remember watching, I remember watching Butler oh, in those yeah. games and all due respect to RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett has not shown anything close oh, yeah. to what Butler was in that series. Um, he was, I, I was like, wow, we're, this guy's going to be a real problem in the league. And then two years after that, he became a perennial all-star top 10 player. I don't, I've never seen that ceiling for RJ. Um, and I've been pretty, pretty unequivocal about that. So uh, Brown, I think is a great cop, Jalen Brown. I think that's, that's the trajectory that I'd, I'd love to, I would kill to see that for RJ. Um, which is why I'm not worried because he is a worker and I do. Uh, Andrew, get your drink ready. Um, Zach Lowe was, was talking on his podcast uh, this, this week about how he's not worried about Barrett because like 
you know, Barrett like releases the ball and you close your eyes and like, it feels like it's going to go in. Like I still, he, he was over seven against the magic. And like, you still kind of feel like these shots are going to go in. He's just lacking confidence right now. And like this, he's a 21 year old kid and he's going through it. It's an adjustment the whole thing. I'm not worried. Um, and I'm not including him in it's, it's just going to sound weird because I, I'm not the biggest, I'm obviously I'm not the biggest RJ guy, but like, I don't know where's the trade even that I would even consider him including him in because like you include him in a trade. If whatever you're getting back makes you a contender. And there is no trade that they can make right now that's going to return them a player that's going to make contenders. So just stick with RJ Barrett. Hopefully, that was my does. whole anti-Dame thing that Andrew and I would fight about like children. <laughs> was well, that you know, like the this, this you know what I'm talking about, Andrew? Yes. Like these. Yes, like the I also theory. didn't want to trade RJ for Dame. It was just whether you had to is the question. Is the whole point? Yeah, and and I think. As it as a off season pre free agency thing, that was a more interesting conversation because then you give yourself the leeway to try to mix and match other parts in light of that move, and like, could you do enough to to bring yourself at least to the edge of contention if you had done that? Whatever that ship has sailed. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, look, RJ, I, I said it's the thing that's bothering me the most right now is the fact that he's slumping. And again, that's it's not indicative of my feelings about him long term or like that. he's. I think he's going to be fine. It's just it's bumming me out right now because I was so, so fucking excited when he was killing it. And it made everything so much better because you could be like, we have this guy and he's, he's figured it out. And it's he hasn't quite figured it out yet. He's getting there. It's fine. Well, I will before we get to the next question. Uh, from a KFS night attendee, I will say yeah. one thing, one thing that should hopefully brighten your day. If you didn't know this already, it is that Drew Hanlon was in the building last night to mm-hmm. get a firsthand look and he will be spending, I believe the next four days with RJ. So this was a planned trip. This was planned training and it happened to come at, I think a pretty good time. So yeah, Hanlon was there last night and watched all of that. <laughs> Oh, what was it? Oh, for seven from three. It was over seven from three. Oh, for seven. He's yeah. Hanlon saw every single one in person. I could not Look, be happier about that because here's that, like, you know, it's just, that's how you get. Here's back. the nice thing. Shout out to Drew Hanlon. Come, come on the pod. If you're listening, Drew, um, you know, that even as a young player, like, Oh, for seven, it's not going to get RJ down. We've that's the thing is we already have seen this level of slump and he's come out of it and he's been a better player for it. And we already saw this season, a level of the a new high that he hadn't reached before. So like in the, in again, the grand scheme of things, I think everything's fine, but you know, it's just not great right now. All right. Next, next question. I, I don't even know which name I'm going to go with Stacy Patton. I'm going to go with Stacy Patton. And uh, Stacy, again, a, a wonderful attendee of, of last night's KFS festivities, has a question that's uh, a little bit mathematical, John. So, so get your, you know, Pythagoras cap on. Assign a percentage to each of these causes for the Knicks' woes. Jesus. Three-point luck. Starting lineup offensive fit. Starting lineup defensive deterioration. One, two, and three. Oh, I, I was expecting yeah. like eight things. Um, I was, I no, was no. opening a Word said, document that I was going to write stuff down. Um, and I just realized I don't have to open a Word document because I could just type three it point in, luck. The, in the chat for myself. All right, so three-point luck. What Offensive else? Fit okay. Defensive deterioration. These are both in the start. So starting lineup, offensive fit. Starting lineup, defensive deterioration. Three-point luck are the three, three factors. Assign percentages. Um, my, my gut, my instant reaction is about equal for each. So that would be 33.33, uh, repeating, um, because I, uh, teams specifically against New York starters have hit threes at an obscene rate. Uh, not so much the Orlando game, um, but, but coming into that game, you know, at the same time, I mean, like the Rubio thing, like where, where does that come from? And it, that hasn't been the only the only thing. So that's definitely there. It, it feels like that's probably maybe a little less. So maybe maybe I'll assign like 25 percent to three point luck. And I think it's the other two are probably yep. splitting 
the the remaining 75%, which would be uh, 37.5, not repeating. Um, and of those two, I, I guess, I think I would say, uh, it, it's weird because like, if you're asking me like what I'm most worried about, what I'm most worried about is the offense coming around. Like I'm not worried about the defense long-term. I think they're going to figure the defense out fine. And that has to do with the, the three point luck too, a little bit, but like, if, if I'm attributing blame for like this season, like wh- where, why their record is the way it is right now. I think I, no, actually that's probably about 50. Yeah. So even, even between the two of them on assigning blame for where they are this season, but in terms of like what I'm more concerned about moving forward, it's definitely continues to be the offensive fit. And like, what, what is this offensive ceiling, which is fucking crazy to say about a team that was top five in offense like a couple days ago. And now they're all the way down to 11th because they've had two straight or several straight terrible performances. Like, I just don't know where does it bottom out? Like, are we going to be looking up and this offense is going to be the 20th ranked offense in the league? Uh, it come, you know, the second week of December. Like, I don't know. I hope not, but it, I'm worried about that. I am totally team starting lineup, offensive, mental, <laughs> Uh, focus right now. Like I just—it's not clicking. Julius is for for the people saying that Julius cashed out and doesn't care anymore. Like, oh come on, now. fuck off! I, I Julius is so <laughs> clear. Wow, pissed. Julius is so upset every night out there that he's playing like shit. And like, it's like, all right, well, yeah, obviously it's his job literally to fix that. But I mean, I just can't like, he's trying to fix it. You know, I, he is not like cashed out. He is not checked out. He I mean, not. I saw a tweet last night. Um, every single one of Julius Randall's best seasons has been a contract year. Like, okay. I don't like my, he, he, this is a whole new team. He's a whole new player last year. It was, it was, well, it was one of the greatest so le- in NBA history. I, so last year, wasn't a, a contract year. Yes, he was eligible to receive a new contract um, after last year. So I guess we could bend the rules there. I just like the notion that a player of his caliber who's gotten better every year and reached the heights that he reached last season, like that he was he was just playing. For, and, and plus, if he was really, if he really cared about money that much, I don't think he would like he wouldn't yeah, have signed the deal that he signed. You know, why, why did he take the lower max? I just, none of it. I mean, what, I think whatever. Kemba, it's Kemba needs to, uh, before these last couple of games, first quarter, I said, Kemba needs to like play basketball. Um, and then he's been doing that in the first quarter. And I'd like to see that continue. I think Julius is overthinking stuff. I think Kemba is not making it easier for Julius by handing it to him and, and going and running to the corner. Look, like there's a lot, it's of not fitting needs to, it happen. just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't fit right now. It's not clicking. Like we, I, I don't think we have to overthink this. It's just, it's not clicking. It's, something is off in the in the in the recipe. Someone, you know, swapped out sugar for salt without realizing it, and like, you know, they can't. Well, actually, you'd be able to taste that pretty quickly. Um, whatever you, <laughs> you get it. Cardamom, maybe something. It should, yeah, sure. Um, well, something's just a little off. That's all it is. All right. Um, and what I, do we got next? To to to, to oh, wrap yeah. up that thought. This is the exact type of group of people, the exact players, the exact people that work together and figure this shit out. So I, I like that explains my lack of urgency in my, like the undertone of my claims is because I, I do believe they'll figure this out. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road, but if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We've got two questions left. Um, One, 
comes from Kyle. Kyle from the garden. What's up, so, Kyle? He has a very serious. Thank you again for question. last night. I was going to say, you know, before I, before I get into his very serious question, got to give a shout out to Kyle for everything he did for KFS night. Now, speaking of KFS night, John and Andrew, this is for you both. And I'll give mine as well. Cereal crusted chicken fingers, like the ones they had last night or halal food. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Cause I have a pretty clear answer for this. So I was part of the, I have a splitting headache and I think it's mostly because I didn't eat enough last night. Cause I was concentrating on the game and like making sure I got a chance to talk to everybody who I've, I've been looking forward to seeing. So I only had one of the chicken fingers and one of the rice balls, which were also good, but the chicken finger was spectacular. I'm not sure it was because of the cereal crusting. It was because say, of, you the, aware of the cereal crusting. Honestly, no, it was a very well done chicken finger, but the thing that really made it pop and stand out was the, the sauce, which I believe was a honey mustard. But if I didn't know better, I, I detected a hint of like almost wasabi. There was a spice in that sauce and it was, it absolutely took it over the edge. So, um, you know, it, yeah. had, it had a little green tint, John. You might be if that was, I mean, I didn't read the little sign. If it was like wasabi honey mustard, then shout out to whichever chef at the garden or wherever thought of that, because that is absolutely fucking brilliant. That sauce was delicious. And it was really, it made the chicken finger go, you know, pop. They must have hit up the the nets and been like, Hey, what are you guys giving Harden before every. So I also had to call an audible last night because we were, we were hosting, we were trying to talk to as many people as possible. And I, barely had a chance to get over to the buffet table. What I will say is I had the chicken finger and a hot dog and I enjoyed both. I I didn't really get a chance to test everything though. So next I will make an effort next KFS at MSG night to test everything, knowing a question like this could possibly come. I also screwed up in when we were at the restaurant before for the pregame, the pizza was really good. So I had pizza there and just wasn't hungry. And we got to the suite. Oh, see, I was hungry the whole freaking night and I didn't have enough. I had I had one slice of pizza. It was Mm -hmm. good. It was really good. Like Rosina was telling me, like, I'd like to know this recipe. Yeah. Pen six. Shout out to you. Yeah. Pen six. Thirty first. Just off of seventh. Shout out to you guys. Uh, Wonderful. Wonderful hosting job. Chris, what did you like the best? I'm I'm gonna go with halal food just as a like it's just it's so superior in my mind as a concept. Um, But I I will say that I, I did take time to say to Kyle that the chicken fingers specifically were very excellent. You know, I'm, I'm always doing important stuff, guys. The, but the, again, the rice ball was good too. The Arancini, see, they, I just tell you guys this, they used to sell those as a separate. Why make me look bad it that you to had to say whole, the actual name? It used to be a whole thing. It would be $15. You'd get one pizza, one, you know, you'd get one of each kind. And I'd be there at the, you know, they give you five rice balls for 15. I was like, for MSG, that's not terrible. I was no. there all the time. They stopped selling them. I can't find them, you know? So I was, I was mistake. elated. I was ecstatic and I was pleased to have the rice balls in the KFS lounge last night. Um, but the, the chicken, the, the cereal chicken, man, golly. All right. All right. We've got Gordon Captain wants to know what, and I, Macri, get ready to groan. What does an updated trade value rankings of Nick's <laughs> assets look like at this point in time? So the best part there. about this question, best part about this question, Chris, I had a feeling it might come up again. When we did our, we did half of our Patreon pod the other day. And I said to John, we may need to redo it because of the rise of Emmanuel quickly and whatever's happening with, with RJ. So I'm very glad this question's here and good luck, John. What are your five? (laughs) So can I just preface it to begin at the beginning with just a quick, easy starter has Emmanuel quickly passed RJ yet on your list. (laughs) And then even better has Obi Toppin. Wasn't Obi. Just remind me last year was our own pick that last year was number one. I think Obi was number two. And like, I think Julius was on there. And then next year's pick also next year's pick. All four of those were ahead of next year's 2022 first round pick. 
and then RJ. And you had RJ fourth and then the 2022 first round pick and you flipped it and you said, if you call 30 GMs, they'll all pick the first round pick and I got to go with that. So you put RJ fifth. So this is your chance, John, to rectify. What a memory you have. And a good omen is immediately after that pod, RJ took off. So maybe immediately after this pod, if you want to put RJ fifth again, he'll take off. I was about to say, do I have to put him? Is is me um, looking like an asshole again going to be, if that turns his season around, then I'm happy to take one for the team. I'll put him fucking 20th. That's a price we're willing to pay, John. You looking like an asshole. So RJ Barrett does better. No, it, that only worked because it was genuine. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, RJ's the, the fifth best trade asset on the team. Um, RJ Barrett is the best trade asset on the Knicks. He's number one. Hey, yo. But, you know, and I'm not even sure. Quickly, he's number two. Um, hmm. If you're going to say quickly is sure making it close between him and Barrett, I'm not going to disagree. Well, no, but here's the thing. I still think that, and, and this I'm, I'm reminded of the a very good conversation, mostly because of what Ben brought to the table that I had with Ben Ritholtz on the pod earlier this week about like quickly, like there are still limitations. Like he doesn't have the handle or, or the, I don't know, maybe not the burst, but like, you know, he doesn't have that that blow by where he can or that ability to just like own the pick and roll time after time after time. That said, and, and obviously his finishing still leaves a little a little bit to be desired. You know, that said, he's he is manipulating defenses in ways that like, yeah, maybe he's not a starting point guard on a good team. Maybe he's not, you know, big enough to be a starting two guard on a really good team. But as a guy who can play 25 minutes a night for, for any team in the league. I think he's there. And yet I look up and he's not even average. What is he averaging for us this year? 18 minutes, 20 minutes a game, whatever it is. It's, it's, um, you know, and I I find that to be interesting. Um, Can I give you a quickly stat real quick? 17.5. 17.5 minutes. So there you go. Um, Oh shoot. It's on a different computer. All right. I can't, I can't give you, but I, I did, I did a per 36 for him for like points, uh, assists, made threes a game, um, three-point percentage. I think those were the ones that I did, uh, again, for per 36. And it's him and like five or six other guys in the league um, w- with a certain minute threshold. Actually, maybe it was like six or seven, but they were all, you know, every one of the names were like, oh, wow, this is quite a group. Um, and then there's Obi Toppin and Anthony Davis who were just in a class by themselves, needless to say. Um, I, okay, I'm filibustering enough. I will, I'm going to, hmm. Man, because I think teams are looking at what Obi's doing and being like, oh boy, if we could make him our five for 15 minutes a game, how do you guard that? And, uh, you know, that's if, if a team believes in the three, especially. So I'll, I, I'm going to put Obi two. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to put Obi two. I'll put quickly three. And that's an obvious top three, I think. And I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm not like, I don't even know how to fact, like again, 2027 20, first round picks. I don't know how the hell factor those in. Um, so then here's the question. We have two more spots left. I haven't named Julius Randle yet. Julius Randle has not yet started his four year, uh, 100 and four, 12, 14, whatever 17. it is. It's a lot of it. It's, it's it, it is a, so 117. Thank you. Um, it is a not insignificant amount of money, um, that extension. And the Knicks, we all praise them for giving him that extension because of what he did last season. And you don't usually see a guy who's going to be top 10 in MVP voting sign an extension of that, of that ilk. And yet now, if you, again, because these are trade value rankings, we're looking to trade him. You would have other teams asking, well, how does he fit in with us? And the question for who are like who are the teams out there who would be like Julius would be our best player? Um, I guess maybe the Spurs. Maybe. Uh anybody got another one? Because I don't. The magic. 
And the Pistons. Oh, no, sorry. The Pistons have Kate Cunningham. What the fuck am I talking about? Um, so, like, best, wait, we're talking best player right now. Best player, you know, moving forward. Like, we're, this, this is going to be our guy that we're going to center things around for the next couple of years. Like, it's like I, Cole Anthony's having a really nice year. Like, where do the, are the, did the Magic think he's going to, you know, how high are they on him? How high are they on, on Suggs? How high are they on Franz Wagner? Um, I don't know, Indiana, yeah. you know, Sabonis having a pretty nice year. Um, so I, so I, there's a, the reason I just went through that little spiel is to say like team pretty much, if you're going to trade Julius, the team looking at him is like, okay, he's going to be a guy who fits into what we already have going on. And he will play off of other guys and hopefully make other guys better. And that's exactly what the Knicks are trying to do to them this year. And it hasn't worked so well so far. So I don't know what trade value Julius Randall has right now. Um, and so if again, putting myself with the imagine, so maybe this is what gets Julius a season turner. There it is. There 4d it is. chess motherfuckers. That's how we do it here at KFS. So yeah, I'll, there we go. For next 20, what year is it? 2022 next 2022 first round pick uh, fourth on the old trade value rankings and Julius Randall's fifth. There you go. You can thank me later. There you have it. And that it's not disingenuous gone. either. It's not disingenuous. No, it's not forced. It's there. No. Is the cap control? No, I, I mean, whatever. Yeah. I'll take Julius. I, I get it. Um, Sorry. One, one more thing. By the way, <clears throat> the Knicks are at press time. It's eight and seven. Two and a half games back of, of first in the East. Also, two and a half games up on 13th in the East. Uh, the West is not good. The West, the bottom of the West, those teams are going to lose a lot of games. Um, and like the, who are the, uh, the piss? I couldn't even remember their names. Even though one of the beat us last night, the Pistons and the magic are like both bad. They will lose a lot of games. So like, I don't think there's a world where the Knicks are, I mean, <laughs> knock on wood. Um, we're are gonna, like, there's a, there's a real tank possibility out there, but like, don't discount the possibility that some team, if they had an opportunity to get our first round pick this year, might not be like, Ooh, wait, what? We could get that. I'll take that lottery chip. So maybe I have, maybe that's the thing I have too low in the rankings, having the 2022 first, um, uh, fourth, but no, it's Julius. It's Julius. Okay. We'll let him prove it. Oh, we'll let him, we'll let him show us that. That was a good question. I'm really happy we ended on that question. I, I had to put it last because I was like, it's like a redux of the, it's all, it's fun. It was fun. It was fun. And that was indeed our last question. So there you have it. Andrew, you, you want to chime in here? Oh, well, I have bonus. one question. One more, one more bonus question from, uh, I guess, producer corner. And it's for both of you. And it says nothing to do with the Knicks. And if, I am nothing, if not a shell for other podcasts that I host, but since final review is doing Ghostbusters tomorrow, I just want to know, John and Chris, what's your favorite scene from the movie Ghostbusters? So despite the fact that you're doing this bit just to make Chris look like an idiot, which he, sh- he should the, feel like an idiot. The vacuum and the brown with the, with the, with the green. Can I, can I re- rephrase it then, John? And just what's your favorite Bill Murray performance? How's that? My favorite Bill Murray performance uh, of his career, of his acting career? Yeah, yeah. if you had to pick one Bill Murray performance. And then Chris, you too, your favorite Bill Murray performance. Name a couple if you'd like. I'm on Google as we speak. Needs to, go- needs to Google Bill Murray performances. Yes. Your, your parents should be ashamed. Um, yes. Did I drop like a, oh, he was in that to piss you guys off? It would. It would. <laughs> so... I there's other than like Ghostbusters, there's there's nothing you could say like, oh, he was in that. Like I you don't know what stripes is. Like you don't know what you, you don't know what Groundhog sometimes. Day is. What? You know, I only know about that movie because Groundhog Day is my dad's birthday. But I, I so I, I have to see it at some point. I always yes, told him I would. You do. Okay. I um I'm gonna I'm gonna give an unpopular answer here. Or maybe it's unpopular. I don't know. My my favorite uh, Bill Murray performance and and perhaps my favorite acting performance ever. Not to say it's the best acting performance ever, but it's maybe my favorite because something about the the movie always connected with me is, is Lost in Translation. Thought you going there, um, Scarjo. Yeah, he should have he should have won the Oscar. Um, 
And if not him, uh, Johnny Depp in the original Pirates of the Caribbean, not making any comment on, on Johnny Depp's life choices, just about his performance in that movie, which was very good, uh, as opposed to Sean Penn um, winning for oh, biting I got the it. bark of trees and leaves and houses and other scenery in uh, Mystic River. Okay, Oz. <laughs> Sorry. You guys don't like the over acting performance that was I, bad that was an embarrassment i think if you found out oh see this this gets too real because you have daughters but in the moment of losing his daughter finding out his daughter was you know spoiler alert for the movie but um not in this world anymore that i would react just as over the top and it was a level of anxiety that is appropriate for the moment and you know what who you know who agrees with you the academy voters anyway yes. chris give us a bow mary uh performance you guys ready? Yes. I think I think no. Andrew just, just hover over the stop record button so we could just get the reactions and then get out. Okay. Bill Murray gave a performance as um, the voice actor for 2004's Garfield. This is a film that I have oh, seen. What the fuck are you and, talking about? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Garfield. It's a PG family comedy. <laughs> if you've never heard of it, it's from 2004. It's got a runtime of 80, and. Um, Bill Murray voices the titular character known as Garfield. He's a cat. I'm staring on my window at a satellite dish on the roof across from me that could have given a better fucking answer than that. <laughs> you idiot. <sighs> Chris, I'm begging you this weekend. The Knicks, Okay, Friday. The Knicks don't play like Groundhog Day. What about Bob? Lost in translation stripes. Obviously, Ghostbusters. All of these Go movies. Ghostbusters 2 is not a great movie, but like he's still pretty fucking fun and he's great yeah. in it. Um, I, I didn't even go down the Wes Anderson chapter of his career. Like even even Zombieland would have been. Is, a that, the, is that is Wes Anderson the guy with the um, he does like the the pictures as like a scene, like like the whole movie. You yes, know what? Yes, he does. Very yeah, focused on him. production design. He, that That's his expertise. And yes. I he's my least favorite director in the world. So I, I'm not going to blame Chris if he hasn't seen a lot of Wes Anderson stuff. Terrence Malick would be mine, but that's a whole Terrence other number. Talk. It's number two for me. Yeah. Bottom hey, hey, look, nature. That is every <laughs> Terrence Malick movie. Hey, look, the, the field, the sky. You know, anyway. okay. Uh, that was a good way to end it. Uh, okay, I we, we gotta get yeah, out of here. A little, Chris, little, little final what? review teaser, huh? Go check little that out. final review teaser, which yes. I don't know. We're very excited this about guy. this episode. Indeed, that guy. I'm I may be just because <laughs> of the because of the 80s conversation, I think I may be more excited about this final review of Ghostbusters than any episode that you guys have done, um, so far. Yeah, but well, because we're not even just limiting it to an 80s conversation. There's an 80s comedy category yeah. that lets us explore the best comedies of the 80s. It's our first comedy that we've done, um, yeah. which I'm just wild. Well, well, they uh, kept it serious. The, the other part about comedy is that there have been very few that are have aged great and very few that get considered in that pantheon. So it's a good conversation. And hopefully my voice holds up for it. Um, I, I will hold go. on. Wait, wait, before we before we go, we we didn't we didn't mention um, the first movie that Chris should probably watch, featuring not starring, featuring Bill Murray. Oh, Caddyshack. and that's Caddyshack. Yeah, Caddyshack. Add that to the list, Chris. Just because you're such a fucking tool, and I know you're not going to watch these movies, go I, on you. I, I go I'm on YouTube. Progress. Go on YouTube and type in. Chevy Chase, who I know you don't know who that is, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Caddyshack scene. Or, and it's five minutes. That's maybe the funniest five minutes ever put on film anywhere. Just watch that. Chris, I'm not as aggressive as John, but it really does Chevy. like hurt my heart that you've Chevy never seen Chase. Jurassic Park. That really is like I, I take offense <laughs> to the fact that you've never seen Spielberg's Jurassic Park. I want to say I caught a couple seconds of it while it was on TV, though. Something with like a passcode. That's all I've that's ever great. seen. Really? That's what you remember? Not the dinosaurs? No, they were. I, I was flipping. I was okay. Like eight years old. Flipping Again, I this is where it. I when I want to defend you that John's being too hard on you. I'm like, he's also never seen okay. Jurassic Park. So. <laughs> Chris, hurry up and plug something before I, I tell you you're not allowed to. <laughs> thank you um make sure you check out the next film school halftime show 
most games, pretty much every game, but homework and midterms. And I try pretty much every game live at halftime, breaking down the first two quarters of action for you guys over on the Knicks Film School Twitter page, which you should already follow. So I'll be there. Doing a good job with that as well. So good yes. job, Chris. Anyways, you, uh, oh, you're doing a great job, Chris. Thank you for, for today. Uh, and congratulations again. I don't think I've, I don't think I've actually said this on a pod yet, but congratulations on your work with the uh, doing the Fordham uh, women's basketball games, oh, um, which is we've got a we've got Notre Dame today. Actually, that's what I'm about. The second we wrap up this pod, I have game notes to prepare. Okay, go you go do that, uh, Andrew. Anything before we go? I plugged everything I needed to plug, and just again, okay. thank you to everybody that that came last night. Absolutely, thank the Knicks you, didn't cooperate, but you guys certainly showed up, and we look that forward to doing best. it again. That's the best lost I've been to. Best loss I've been to in in years. Just usually I leave very miserably with my head down and you know gloomy. It's oh, this time we had people to talk to and it was nice and fun. It's funny. It's the most miserable loss I could think of because I wanted so badly for them to win that game for for the people that came out and yeah. like you know showed their support. But but anyway, I, I get what you're saying too. Okay, uh, we're out of here. Everybody out there, thank you for listening to another episode of the Next Film School Podcast. Don't forget subscribe, rate, review, do your thing, tell your friends, um, help us help you by uh, making the show even more popular. Um, because you know what, every little bit counts. And uh, on that note, have a great weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Take care. Yeah.